podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Some of the topics are addiction, fear, faith, self-compassion, relationships, codependency, emotional intelligence, and more. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Throughout history, a healer has been known as someone who facilitates healing in another. From Native American medicine men and women to ancient shamans, they all offered an amazing talent to heal suffering by tapping into and empowering one's own healing capacity. Energy healing therapy is a powerful approach to wellness that can revolutionize any life. Behind the scenes of our beautiful world, a complex network of energy fuels and connects everyone and everything. By learning to understand and apply this energy as medicine, we can powerfully guide our lives in better and better directions, healing what debilitates us and encouraging our vast personal potential for health, happiness, and meaning. DebraKing.com My guest is Cheryl Kamel. She's an author, educator, and an energy practitioner offering holistic health services since 1995. Cheryl incorporates different healing modalities that best suit her clients' needs. In her new book, A Change in Perception, she talks about opening the mind to possibilities beyond what is directly in front of us, to find peace through change, to work with life, not fight against it, to awaken one's belief. For several years, Cheryl has been working with Dr. Tony Libro, a medical intuitive. Through the intervention of ancient teachings combined with her personal experiences, these works can help wake the divine inner light to help expand the consciousness and heal the self. To read Cheryl's full biography, please visit fitforjoy.org podcast. Here is the interview with Cheryl Kamel. In your own words, who is Cheryl Como? That is a very big question. 
a short sentence, but a, a big question. So let me just kind of give you a, I'll try to give you a quick synopsis. I have been a researcher and a teacher of holistic health principles for probably 23 years-ish. My mission really has been to just invoke higher levels of consciousness to inspire and insist people that are on their path of awakening. And what I mean by that is not to make them fearful, to just inspire them. So I think in short, I'm a very curious person and I'm a huge observer. I learned early in my life that many people wear armor to protect themselves. And it's fear that they wear this armor from the follies and judgments of society. And we were all raised with that, sadly. And I've learned much from just observing throughout my life from childhood on. It was in my early years that I was prone, and I think many of us were, having to be a certain way, something that I wasn't, kind of putting people in a box. So at this, so true. Yeah, so at this stage in my life, I've really grown into not being what other people think I should be. So it's been an interesting ride. I really enjoy writing, something I really enjoyed when I was uh, youth, but was too afraid to bring it out. I love animals and nature, those two in particular. I mean... As long as I can be outside, even if it's just to mow the lawn, I'm happy or, or trimming shrubs around my house. Things like that really make me happy. And I'll tell you this, in the last few years, I've done a lot more meditation work and tuned in, believe it or not, to nature and have communicated with it. Now, what I'm going to say to you is going to sound maybe a little bit odd, but everyone is doing their thing these days. On some occasions, I have actually tuned into whales, dolphins, trees, storms. The, the storm that just hit um, this past September in Florida, it was coming up the East Coast, Dorian. I tuned into the eye of that storm. And this, I actually spoke to the storm with the name Dorian so that I didn't have a male or a female coming to me. So I spoke to this storm and got into the eye of it. And I just simply suggested your power from your storm is very, very powerful for human beings and for you to be coming to land. And I'm not sure if you're aware of that. It absolutely obliged me and communicated back to me and said it did not realize that it was harmful to humans and that it would try to move itself away and go back out to sea. It said, believe it or not, it, and I have this journal, it said is just simply playing with the wind and the ocean. We have no idea that it was harmful to the human beings. So unfortunately, I didn't tune into this particular storm until after it had already hit the Bahamas. But as it was approaching, you know, Florida and North Carolina, it had moved and veered itself off away from the coast. So that all they got was a lot of wind and a lot of rain, but they didn't have that hurricane force storm. It was very powerful and it didn't go away. And it thanked me for giving it the time and communication with it. It enjoyed communicating with a human being. I found that fascinating. So, you know, since that took place, you know, I have been doing more and more of that. I don't know, some, some many years ago, I took a class. I was taking a clearing class, and one of the projects that we had to learn was to go outside and tune into something in nature. So they chose trees. So I went and sat under this one particular tree. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, this is something new for me. But 
again, fascinating and intriguing. So I just sat for a while and just meditated and just said to the tree that I was sitting under, I'd like to just communicate with you. If this makes any sense, I'm just a human being. I would love to communicate with you because your branches are beautiful. But the leaves that you show us are beautiful. So I sent that out. I was astonished. It came back with communication and said, I've seen you here before. I recognized your vibration. It makes me want to cry when I see things like this and I, and I repeat them because I had forgotten things. It says, I remember your vibration. You've been here before because I had taken several classes at this particular institute. And I said, yes, I, as a matter of fact, have. You have a different frequency than most that come here. You have a wonderful vibration. So I didn't really know what else to say. So I just sat and listened, took it all in, and I thanked the tree for allowing me to communicate with it and left it at that. So it was just wonderful, wonderful. Another time I communicated with some whales and some dolphins. And I did that, I'm going to say maybe two years ago. Uh, I was doing a um, test with tuning forks. Now, I don't necessarily have to use any tools or apparatus. That particular episode or project was with the trees was with just my mind. I did one with water a few years back with the tuning forks and just wanted to tune the waters. So I actually put myself, the intention was to put myself on the East Coast, one of the beaches in New Hampshire, and just tuned into the ocean period. What I got was that it actually felt my actual vibration. Um, some of the whale species could feel the vibration and thought it actually felt like, and I think I have it here. Let me see if I have the exact wording for you so I don't mess this up. And I, what I said to them, the particular water was, I wanted to release you from some of the rubbish that humans have dumped on you and you've had to endure and abused. And I want to help to release some of the tensions and bring back coherence to the water frequencies. So I did that. So as I tuned into the water, the, the conversation fully engaged. It acknowledged that it was receptive. It mentioned that it could actually feel the intensity of my energy through the forks I was using. And it said it felt at times like a tidal wave. Then it would calm down. And then it felt very gentle and very subtle, like a ripple. It mentioned that it liked that I came back. It remembered my frequency because I'm, I'm on the beach a lot. So it remembered. I mean, uh, the ocean is, is vast. So it must have just remembered my vibration. That's how everybody is recognized, even on the other side. They don't recognize us by our name, but by our, by our frequency or our vibration. So it was just a wonderful thing. And at points, it said... And I got an, a, a male, it felt like a he energy. So I just went with that. And it almost felt like at points, the water was swelling like waves, like it was breathing. I could actually feel that. It was amazing. I mean, you, it's hard to put all of this into words. Utterly amazing what it felt like. And it continued and acknowledged back to me that it felt lighter. And it was very grateful for the help that I had chosen to offer. And that was pretty much all that particular episode was about. But I found it fascinating. I just found it fascinating that I was able to even do this. It's like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? So it just continued. I've been doing that now for some time. I just continue to tune into nature, animals, trees, whatever I feel moved or is 
you, you can actually feel something calling you. You know, when you can feel someone staring at you when you're not even looking at them, and then when you turn around, you see them looking at you. It's kind of like that. You get a calling. It's a feeling that something's drawing you. That is kind of who I am. I, I, I actually feel like if I were to give myself a title, a communicator. That's how I look at myself anyway. I'm an observer, and I think of myself as a communicator. And I'll give you an example of a human being. Do you want to hear that? Yes, sure. <laughs> this is a colleague and a friend, and he asked for my opinion about a situation that he was going through with his own boss. And in this particular situation, he was feeling like he was not heard. The conversations were always being turned around on him, and his boss was telling him that he was always very fearful and out of touch with himself. So it kind of made him feel kind of flat and kind of disappointed in his boss because that's not really how he was feeling. But I think his boss was trying to make him feel small. So I listened and I gave him another perspective. That's all I did was I gave him another perspective to look at. And without getting into, into too much detail here, I all I offered him was something other than critical. And I did notice that he seemed relieved and he thanked me for listening and being objective. So, you know what, oftentimes people just have so much static, stock energy built up in their field. And if they're not doing any holistic work of some kind, anything, they're not doing any kind at all, they're going to come across as controlling, even manipulating to make themselves feel better. And unfortunately, we all know that that doesn't happen. They never feel better. They're just unloading and, or, or venting. So that's when I usually drop a seed, you know, if I were in that conversation with his boss. I would just very nonchalantly drop a seed about this or about that in the holistic works to see if he was ready to pick it up. He may not be. I have to say that I'm a minimalist. I have what I need and I take very little for granted. I just, I think I've just, I've, I've learned a lot in my life and observed a lot, witnessed a lot, and I just don't take anything for granted. So if there's an opportunity that rises and I have an opportunity to simply encourage somebody with words or even with a full session of energy work, energy balancing. I'm happy to be of service. But you know, the things that I really like for just for myself, I really like when I have the time. Camping, horseback riding, bike riding, bicycles, and an occasional motorcycle ride in the countryside. I really like being out in the countryside. It's just fun and you get the air blowing in your face. I don't, I don't go on the highway with motorcycles. It's just fun to be with friends and do things like that. Right. That sounds really good to me. <laughs> very I good. I think it's very fascinating. As long as I'm outside, I'm relaxed and happy. So that's me. Everything you said, especially in the beginning, the connection with nature, it kind of confirms that we are nature, not apart from it. We are life itself, right? We're not separate from it. Absolutely. We are all connected. And that's the thing that most people don't understand with that statement, when somebody says we're all connected, you know, and, and, and a lot of the holistic practitioners are saying that we're all connected. What does that mean? Nobody knows what that means. That, that's exactly what it means. We're not separate and we can tune into them just as they can tune into me. Yeah, yeah. You talked about not taking anything for granted. That makes me think about gratitude and how powerful that is for healing. Extremely grateful for everything. Yeah. I mean, and nobody escapes going through difficulties in life. I mean, we all have things that we go through because the, let's, let's face it, the only way we're going to move and shift, excuse me, you know, if they, if they push us out of our comfort zone a little bit. So true. 
So true, Sharon. That's how you learn. Just push us along a little bit. doesn't have to be a whole lot. I mean, there's a lot of people that are really open and grateful. So when something does come along, they will generally jump on board, and then they, they, they may struggle with it for a short period of time, but they'll get through it. Other people struggle with things longer because they don't have that ability to get out of that three-dimensional thinking. Right. Or they might be pushing away, right? The feeling. Right. Or they're in fear or they're in that blame game. It's their fault. It's just their fault. my parents' fault. It's my sister's fault. It's somebody's fault. It's never their fault. That's where they need holistic work, but they're not ready. They're not even close. Yeah. So before we begin talking about energy healing and healing modalities and also universal knowledge, I'm going to be asking you a few questions, uh, general questions, and one of which is, what motivates you to be a good person, to do good in the world, trying to help people? Well, I have to say that the more than anything else, two things, I guess, the animal kingdom really inspires me. I mean, you see some really dreadful things done to animals. I mean, dreadful. And you know what? They come to a human being. Somebody will take to them and will help them, nurse them back to health if they've been really brutalized and injured or whatever. And they just forget all about it and love, 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 love. All over the place. Love, love, love that human being. And love other human beings. They don't hold anything. And I think that's what inspires me. I love to see that. And, and it's for that reason, I think, that I use the gentle demeanor, the soft, I don't want to say lecture, but soft conversation with someone to help them come around on their own terms lightly so they're not frightened. I have to say, I think animals are the thing for me. I mean, it, it, when you think about it, dolphins, whales, they will go to the death. Some species of whales, dolphins for sure, if you're in the water, if there's a human being in the water and there's a shark approaching, a dolphin will fight. A dolphin is one of the few mammals that can kill a shark. It will kill the shark in protecting the human being. It will fight to the death. So I just, I don't know, cats and dogs is the same way. They can tell when someone's energy is sad or nasty. So I've always been kind of an observer of people, of animals, since I was a little kid, how people react to people, how they act with people, with each other. So I think, you know, what inspires me most is a gentle approach that animals have with human beings. I think that is what moves me every day. And I see that in so much that I, I use that. And I love the elderly people. I just, they're just so sweet and wonderful. I mean, not everybody's perfect, but I mean, you, the majority of them, they just want to, somebody to love them a little bit. You know, in a grocery store, somebody's struggling. You know, they want to pick something up and it's too high. They, oh my God, it's like you gave them a million dollars. Elderly people are wonderful. I love to deal with them. Little children. It's, you know, that in-between age where, you know, because human, we have ego. Animals don't have that. So that is the choice that we need to make. Are we egotistical or am I helping somebody because I want to? I don't know. It's just I learn a lot from watching. I do. So I think I'm inspired by animals, mostly, how they gravitate to humans and deal with humans and, and, and can tell. They can tell. If you watch animals enough, they can tell who's nice, who's not so nice. They can pick it up. They'll stay away. 
Do you have animals? Do you have pets? I do now. I do. I have a cat and a small dog, a papillon dog and a, a little cat. That's cute. Are you a vegetarian or a vegan? I'm a vegetarian, yes. That's wonderful. Yeah, I see. You really love them and you go all the way. That's the reason why you're vegetarian, because you don't want to harm the animals. I don't want to harm animals. And it goes a little bit deeper than that. But yes, I don't want to eat animals anymore. We don't need to. And But it goes deeper than that. It's the DNA. We were never meant to eat animals. Their DNA is different than ours. It shifts our DNA and holds us down because we're a different frequency than they are. So if we get away from eating, you know, meat, it's in the blood, our DNA can shift back to where it should be. So it's evolving. It's just evolving is all it is. We're just growing and evolving. There's no need to be eating animals. So the only thing I do eat, I have to be honest with you, is fish. But from my, from my spirit team, from doing meditations with them, I ask them a bazillion questions. And I'm sure if they could write a book, they would say, she asks way too many questions. <laughs> they right. have told me time and time again it's the dna and the fish it doesn't bother the fish um eating fish doesn't shift our dna wow that's um interesting to know too um i love salmon wild salmon that's what i eat constantly wild salmon or swordfish Oh, sorry. Yeah, I don't eat that, but wild salmon. Yeah, that's the only fish. Interesting you said that because I feel like not eating the other things like chicken ever, never. My husband eats red meat, so sometimes I have a little piece, but it's not the same as eating salmon. I like salmon better. No, no, it's definitely not the same. I, I just live on salmon and the other. Mostly it's salmon because it's easy to pick up and it's less costly and it's always wild caught. Whatever fish I do eat, it's always wild caught. It's never farm raised. Farm raised is full of bacteria. Right. Hormones and everything else. Toxins, right? Um, my next question. What is the world's greatest need, in your opinion? Oh, it's going to be two words. Kindness and listening. Kindness and listening. Because you can't force somebody to do something. No matter how nice you say something, until they're ready. So it's the way we approach each other the gentleness that we show each other, that speaks volumes how you approach someone. If you're a listener to them, if you really hear what they have to say. I mean, I talk to so many people and, you know, some husbands and wives, for instance, like clients, my husband never hears me or my boyfriend never hears me. So I say to them, well, maybe it's just the approach. Maybe you need to change your approach a little bit. You know, maybe they feel like you're forcing them to hear you. Drop a seat. You know, make it more gentle. Like you don't really care if they give you an answer. You just want to make yourself heard without giving an answer. No response. Just drop the seed and change the subject. See if that works. You know, things like that. I think if we can be kinder to each other and listen. Listen is probably the biggest. Um, and you also said that uh, people will listen to you when they are ready. What makes people to be ready? to listen to people like you and change their lives for better? I think it's something that comes from within. You just know innately. You just shift gears. Even if you've struggled, I'm going to use this as an analogy. Let's say that somebody that's really, really heavy and they've really had difficulties in life dropping the weight. Again, it, 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 you know, with the emotion code, there's a reason that person is heavy. But anyway, the hot wall might be up. 
and, and they needed to be heavy so that they wouldn't hurt again. So that's just one, one, one aspect. But another is, I'm sorry, I got off the beaten path with the emotion code. What did you say? <laughs> About being, yeah, being ready to change. Oh, being ready to change. It comes from within. Yes, it's a choice that comes from within and you have to be ready. And I think as long as people are around other people that are shifting gears, if they see, you know, a, a few people here or there starting to shift in their crowd, then they might take a step into making changes in their own life. But if, if their significant other is not at all into any of the things that they're even trying to get into, if the significant other isn't and this person would like to, but is kind of timid and afraid to come out and say it, they're not going to shift for a while until they gain some strength. Or like running in packs with wolves, safety in numbers, if more and more people in their group or their surroundings start to come on board and shift gears a little bit, that maybe that one person will start to come around and say, you know what, I'm not really sure what's going on with you as my companion, but I'm not with you on what you're doing. And I'm feeling like I need to be doing this over here. And you can come with me if you like and try this, but what you're doing isn't working for me anymore. So I think it's a choice that comes from within when they've had enough and they're not being forced. They don't feel like they're being pressured. It's something that comes from within themselves. Yeah. Maybe like you said, triggered by something from the outside, somebody they admire and love. Yeah, Exactly. Could be that. Right. Um, what is love to you? That is a big question. That is giant. Well, I think that in my own opinion, love is just all encompassing. You know, again, during my meditations, we're not even capable of understanding yet how deep that word goes and the capacity for real love. We, as human beings, the love that we understand is, you know, mommy and daddy, they love us, but there's limits. So when we grow up and we're older, you know, we have breakups, we have boyfriends, we have girlfriends, we have breakups, and some of them can be very violent, vicious, I hate you. I'll never talk to you again. I can't believe you did this. And they hold that grudge forever. So that's what I'm showing you is limits. So love, the real deal of love is so complete. It's a complete circle. And that's why they, on the other side, can help usher us through what we're going through in this particular lifetime, whatever we chose to come through and learn. And they'll be there to help us, but they'll stand back and we make the decisions. We're the driver. So if we decide we want to go out and let's say get drunk one night and we're driving and we get into a car crash and somebody gets hurt, they didn't do that. We did it because they left us to kind of maneuver in our own vehicle. And the vehicle is the temple, the physical body. I think love is all encompassing. It's allowing people to be themselves. Even if it's not great, even if that person is just such a nudge, such not a nasty, you know, just a nasty person. You don't send hate to them. You don't do that. You just send love and light frequencies and hope that down the road, somewhere in their world, they'll come out of the funk they're in. It's just all encompassing and send love and light to help. If I understood right, uh, love, it's something that we give without conditions, like unconditional yeah, and we can receive it too, as long as we are willing. It works both ways. The back chakras in the human body 
they go right through your body. So the, the seven chakras you have in the, in the front of your body, they're connected to the same ones on the backside of your body. The backside of the chakra is coming into the human body, are the receiving receptors, and the chakras on the front of the body are the giving centers. You know, and more often than not, when I'm working on somebody, for example, if, uh, if I happen to be using the tuning forks, I always check the back chakras to see if they're open or closed or if they're wobbly or half open or sticky, things like that. It, it just means that they're not accepting love coming to them. They're not receiving. They're not holding it. So it may come into the system, always comes in, but they give it away immediately. They're not utilizing it for themselves or they're not giving any way as well, but they're not using it wisely. That is interesting. Do you think that has something to do with self-acceptance and self-love? Yeah, I think that's part of it. But I think there's, again, going back to like the emotion code work, there's a lot of static buildup, a lot of emotions that are stuck, trapped energy stuck in that field of energy around the human body that's about six to 12 feet wide. The heart itself has its own field of energy around it, and it's 12 feet. And then the body itself is six feet. I mean, it's infinite. It's, it's certainly much wider than that. But for us to use and calculate and measure it to work with tools on this side, it's six feet. Heart is 12 feet. And we can close off a lot of ourselves and not receive if we've been wounded enough times. Mm, unconsciously, we do that. That's what he's saying. Even if we understand self-love, self-acceptance intellectually, that it'll be hard to uh, manifest that. Sure, yeah, self-sabotage, not even realizing it, yeah? Especially if there's a hot wall. Right, right. That makes so much sense to me. Do you believe in God? Or a better question, I guess, what is God to you? Or who is God? Yeah, God is not this old man with a beard and white hair sitting on a throne. Exactly. That's how everybody has depicted that all-knowing being. For myself, how they explained it to me on the other side, my spirit team, divine source counsel is how that comes through. That is God. It's an all-knowing universal knowledge. It's pure energy. There is no form. And in my book, and I'll just veer off just briefly so that you can kind of have a background to what I'm talking about right now. In my book, I talk about light beings, um, fifth dimension, Palladians, the Hathors. Beyond the fifth dimension, when you get into like the eighth dimension frequencies, there's no physical form anymore like us or like the Palladians. The Palladians have a physical form as well. Beyond that, it's just pure energy. That's it. There is no form. There's no physical form. And that is what the divine source, knowledge, universal knowledge, God, whatever you want to call that. That's what that is. It's pure knowledge, but it is a group. It is not one being. It is a group like a wheel with all the spokes on a wheel that make one. That's how I think of divine source or God as the being. It is a group of beings that make up the whole. And that is the same, pretty much the same thing as higher uh, levels of consciousness. Is that similar? Okay. Uh, Is that the same thing as also, we talk a lot about awakening. Would that be the same thing? Just uh, being awake so we are receptive and in alignment with these higher levels of consciousness? Yes, you kind of nailed it. (laughs) 
What do you think is the purpose and meaning of your life, Cheryl? Let me give you two in an analogy, a symbolism. Think of, remember playing jump rope when you were a little girl? Do you ever play that jump rope? Yes, I think I didn't have a uh, jump rope, but yeah, but I think I remember jumping. <laughs> yes, a lot. <laughs> okay, so you've seen it. Okay, well, think of one. It's there's a, there's a couple of different types of jump rope you can play. There's um, two people, one at either end of a rope, and they're swinging it. Yeah, yeah, I played that. Yeah, I, and then the third person that's... will come in and jump until they, you know, fall and lose their balance. Yeah. So my thing, my analogy for myself is I am like the person on one end of the rope, but I'm also the other end as well, helping people jump in the jump rope, holding it steady, helping people jump in, not pushing them, dropping seeds very gently. When they're ready, they'll jump in. I'm a minimalist. <laughs> Good. That, that helps. Simplicity. I love that. Yeah. Going back to basics. That's how I live. I live my life that way. I have very minimal things in my home. I have what I need. I'm a minimalist. If I don't need it, I don't have it. If I don't use it every day, I don't need it. I love the ocean. And living close to the ocean is kind of expensive. (laughs) That's not so simple. But you can press for that. You can press for that. You can ask Divine Source Council if that's in your highest good. Maybe not right now, but impress upon them. That's what you would like. And if it is in your highest good, it will come to you. It'll come about. Mm-hmm. Maybe not now, maybe in five years, but it'll come about. Right. Now, I, I live on the ocean. Oh, nice. So, yeah, that's true. See, unconsciously, it seemed like I asked for that and that it happened. And I was, like, amazed by it. Like, how come? Because they heard you. They listened. They hear everything. Your higher self is 90%. Your authentic self is 90% of your subconscious. 10% is the conscious mind of how you get from A to point B in this physical form here. Like if you stop at a red light, you know you have to stop because it's red. It's a stop sign. Your subconscious mind is 90% of the human being, and that's what's connected to the divine source. And it knows everything you've done, said, thought, felt when you were ill, what you have for illnesses, what you don't even know that you have in your system. It knows everything about us. And when I'm using the magnets on people, that's what I'm tapping into. When I'm using tuning forks, that's what I'm tapping into. When I do the Melchizedek work, the Melchizedek method, that's what I'm tapping into. That makes sense. That's why you talk about cleansing, doing this work of uh, energy healing. So um, now you become more receptive. Better with what you really wanted to come in and do. I mean, there's lots of sidetracking along the way. It helps us to get back to the real deal if we stay tuned and stay connected. Hmm. And maybe that's why the work we do kind of uh, it's wonderful because it helps us to stay connected, right? With that. Yes. Yeah, if I didn't have this, let me tell you, I, I'll just give you this. I don't know how much time we have left, but I moved in with my mom. My dad passed away about three and a half years ago, very unexpectedly, sadly. And my mother couldn't, it was a little bit too much for her. Her sister, her closest sister died a year after that. So she went into dementia. And it's not something that you go right into. I think that she, it was coming on slowly anyway. But I think on a subconscious level, again, we all know. I think my father knew, and I'm using this as an example. Two months 
before he died, he went out and bought his plot for him and my mother and paid cash for it two months before he left. I mean, why would he do that? You know what I'm saying? So when my mother came down with dementia, it was just too much for her. So I moved in with her. And so it's been kind of an up and down road for me. My time has been very limited. I still have my office and I still have, I work, I went from six days a week working to two days, but I'm still very grateful because I can still work two days with other people. It's wonderful. And I also work with a a doctor. He's a kinesiologist and a medical intuitive. So it helps. It's kind of a nice flow in that office space. But going through all of this is what I wanted to say has helped me concentrate more on me, even though my time has been extremely limited. I mean, since I moved in with my mother a year ago, I've had no time away from her alone. None. So there's no dating. There's no going out. There's no going out with my friends just to have dinner or lunch or something. I just can't. So the only two days I'm out are when I'm at the office or if I'm doing a remote distance session, I can still do remote sessions at the house she goes in the other room with the little dog and she'll either read a magazine or she'll watch her favorite Hallmark shows. And then I can do my remote distance work on people anywhere around the globe. So I am blessed and grateful that I still have this. And I have moved myself exponentially forward with the limited time that I have. It's utterly amazing to experience that when you have no time, how much you concentrate on you. So I learned to budget my time very effectively, keeping my hours, I still have my community TV show that's like three years going now, Sherry's Metaphysical Corner. I still have that. I still have my Facebook and LinkedIn live. When I have the opportunity, again, it's on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I have been very blessed because of the challenges that I went through with mother. And until she leaves, I have to stay really focused and tuned in to me so that I can get going and move forward. And it wouldn't have been possible if this hadn't helped. So honestly, this was actually a good thing for her and me. It helped her at the end part of her life go through this and be really sad without my father, and but have somebody to take care of her and not put her in a nursing home. I wasn't going to do that. She, This is a woman that was very healthy, never had to be on any meds. And when she went into assisted living briefly for six weeks, I mean, they went up and down one side and down the other, and they had her on all kinds of meds because when you go into those places, they don't, excuse me, they don't really want to take care of you because they have so many people to take care of. It's just easier to put them on meds. Oh, no. Yeah, that's not a good Took her out of there. She came home. I decided I'm going to take care of her. She gets three meals a day, all organic foods. She's off all meds except one. She's on all organic supplements. Wonderful. I play on uh, some wonderful YouTube meditations with uh, 432 hertz uh, sounds. And there's lots of nature around for images for her to watch. She just will stay there for hours and she's very calm and peaceful. That's wonderful that you're doing that, Cheryl. Yeah, beautiful. For drive. So, you know, people that have are going through that with dementia, that's why I brought it up. That'll be in the book as well. You don't need to have them on all that meds. You really don't look into the organic supplements. And I use um, standard process. I mean, I don't get anything from this. I don't get any uh, commission for this. I just know this product works. This product's been around since 1939 when nobody was doing organics. What is the name of the product? Do you mind? No, I don't mind telling you, honey. It's standard process. Standard process. I never heard of that. Standard process. Organic line. And believe it or not, 
their place, their farm is in Michigan. And the reason that the gentleman bought or the company bought the land they bought is because they, they searched all over the United States for land that was really full of nutrients. And Michigan, this particular area, it was the glacial age that came down and dropped tons of nutrients into the soil. And they bought it. Oh, that's, that sounds really good. Yeah, I'm making a note here. She's not on anything anymore other than one, one very minor one. And she's done very well. She's, she's tired. I can see her sliding away. She's tired. She moves really, really slow. She doesn't need a walker, nothing like that. But she's just tired. She's just, and she forgets really easily. So they become confused. Yeah, the body gets tired, and which it's it's meant to to happen, right? Up for all of us. And she's only eighty four. She's not very super old, but she doesn't. Uh, she just, you know, what? It, it get to a point when, especially when you've been married sixty years, you don't want to be here anymore. You lose the will. Because mm, her connection with her husband. Yeah. Right? So how long do you think she's going to be around? So I just said, you know what? I'm not. I'm not going to see her go out in a nursing home. She was a wonderful parent. She would drop anything for us. I had a brother, and she would drop everything for us, do anything and everything. Oh, she was a stay-at-home mom. I was very fortunate to have that and blessed again, grateful. She cooked and baked. She was an amazing cook. So, you know, I, it's a give back. It's respect. It is. Yeah. It's just respect. So I have no problem giving up my time to see her to the end, and then I'll move on my life after that. Yeah. That's that's so beautiful, you know. Um, yeah, thank you for that, because I have to say that, because you don't see that often, unfortunately. People doing that, giving up themselves the way, yeah, everything the way you are. Well, I mean, I, I do what I can, what I, you know, a lot of times I live off my savings account, but you know what? If it's a slow month, it is what it is. I'm not going to cry over it. It is what it is. I still have my two days. I can still do my shows, and I'm still working, and Divine is taking care of business. My book is coming out at the end of the year. You know what? I'm grateful because there's a lot coming and they keep warning me. You better stay tuned and stay connected. There's a lot of change coming in your life. Stay with us. So I am. Where you are now, the heart is at. The mind also manifests that with words and attitudes. Yes. The connection is absolutely equal now. Mind and heart. That's right. That There is a brain in the heart. Uh, intelligence, yes, right? Yes, our intelligence is in the brain. That keeps us going every day making decisions. But you have also a brain in the heart. So when the two are out of sync, that's when the life gets becomes like a calamity. Yeah, out of balance. I'm in sync. I'm just, yeah, and I just stay with it. So True. The healing modalities that you work with, is there like one that's more effective than the other? You know, that's a really good question. And a lot of people ask that very question. And it's for that reason that I swing with four modalities. And the reason for that is, and I'm going to try to keep it brief for you, every human being is different. Everybody's vibration is different. So what one may need or what works for one may not work for another simply because of where they are in life. Everybody's frequency is different. So I stick with Reiki or Melchizedek tuning forks and the emotion code because everybody is different and everybody needs something. So some people really gravitate to the Melchizedek work. Others really gravitate to the emotion code and some others Reiki. It depends on where a person is in their life vibrationally. 
Can you help them uh, using any of these modalities long distance? Oh, absolutely. I have clients in Spain, Australia, France, a couple others, as well as across the country. I, I even have remote distance clients that live in New England that just don't have the time to get in. So they'll make an appointment and they're in their homes and they still live in New England and I'm in the office. Wow. Or I'm working on them out of the house, depending on the day they want it. That sounds great. So before I ask you my final questions, whatever comes to mind, would you like to add anything about healing, energy healing, or anything about uh, universal knowledge? Universal knowledge. You know, it's been a privilege for me. And I tell them this all the time when I've been doing meditation. It's just been a privilege. And I feel great gratitude to be able to tune in and receive information from them to help me on my path. And you know, the strangest thing and this, it it almost makes me want to cry every time I hear this from them, because I don't, again, we don't know where to place love, that all encompassing love that they have on the other side that we aren't able to. And they've told me that we're not able to understand or conceive of yet. They'll say to me, sometimes when they come in before I've said it, it gives us great pleasure and gratitude to be able to work with you and your energies. That just almost brings tears to my eyes when I hear them say that. And it it takes my breath away. I have to be quiet for a minute. (laughs) Because you think of this encompassing, divine, wonderful energy that can be that loving. You know, we've all made mistakes in our lives that we're not proud of and we've done stupid, dumb things. And you think of those dumb things and you're like, are you kidding me? That's the difference. There is no limit that they will go to to love us. There is no limit. Without conditions. Yes, just no conditions at all. So that's my comment. Uh, That's powerful. Yeah, and that's so true. So true. So my last question is to you. How do you define success? When I see that happy face, that's how I define success. When I see that happy face of someone, I'll give you just one quick example of that. I had a woman that was trying to get pregnant, her and her husband. They, they were newlyweds. They've been together a couple of years, but they wanted to get pregnant right away and couldn't. They were doing the in vitro. Nothing was happening. She was getting more and more depressed. And so she started to come to me for some work. And I said to her, you know what? You got to stop thinking about it. You're coming to me for some energy work. So I'm going to give you just something very simple to take home and think about. Go watch a funny movie with your husband. I want you to put getting pregnant on the back burner. I know it's easier said than done, but you're giving me three months. In those three months, you're doing things with the medical community to help yourself. And you're doing things with me, the holistic side of it. Give your mind a rest and don't think about it. Go have fun. I want you to physically go have fun. I want you to do things you're not used to doing. I want you to go for a bike ride with your husband. I want you to have a date night with your husband. Go on a date. And I don't mean just anywhere. You have to go somewhere that you haven't been. Make it a date. Go see a funny movie. Go do funny things. Take cooking lessons. Go bowling. Do things you don't normally do and forget about it just for the three months. Don't do anything about it. Let it take care of itself. And then you tell me what's going to happen. She got pregnant, so happy, elated her and her husband because they were stressing. They were thinking about it so much. They were stressing their organs. The field of energy around their body was full of static. They were stressing about it. Mm, 
Yeah, like stagnated energy. And the mind can get easily obsessed, right, with ideas and uh, goals. Yeah. Exactly. And you got to get out of the way. You, When we do that, we get in the way. Get out of the way. Get out of the, front of the car. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So true. There's a, I think there's a Buddhist quote that says, um, let go or be dragged. <laughs> I like it. That's right. You know which one I use? Let go, let God. Mm, that's kinder. <laughs> okay. I guess there was a Zen a Buddhist quote. They're pretty straight to the point. <laughs> and that's all right. I mean, you know what? They're both good. They both work. You have to use what you need for tools. You know, you may be working with some people that are rough around the edges and they need that analogy. Yeah, right. Might work for them. What is to be strong, in your opinion, Sharon? What is to be strong? Not to be afraid to show your downside. Not to be afraid to cry. Not to be afraid to show people you're not perfect. Somebody off that pedestal, not perfect. I'm just like you and everybody else. I love that. Yeah. Yep. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in life? Wow, the, the hardest lesson. Okay, let's see. I think I was thinking about that. I think the hardest thing was when my dad crossed over three, four years ago and my aunt passed. That was the hardest thing for me to go through because I had a witness. I was very, very tight with him. He and I had the same energy frequency. And my mother and brother have the same energy frequency. So when he left, he was funny. He was fun. He was a very spirited person. And we always laughed and giggled and were silly with each other. We laughed at things that nobody else would laugh at. It was great. So when he left, that, was, that really was an undoing for me. It really felt like I lost a limb. And it took me a while to recover from that. So I think... The hardest life lesson was to know I had to go on. And you know what helped me? He is part of, we all have a soul group. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but everybody has a soul group where you have a team that works with you day in and day out, 24-7, every single day. Some come in, new ones come in, and others go out. But you always have a group with you. Some of them are celebrities, believe it or not, because they have no ego on the other side. And they're never going to tell you. Oh, I have Dean Martin working with me in my soul group, or I have um, <laughs> Frank so Sinatra. True. They're never going to tell you that because it isn't about ego. And you would get so caught up in their celebrityism of who they once were that you, you wouldn't get any work done for yourself. So they never tell you who they are. Unless it's like a family member or like a teacher. I have a teacher that came through. I have um, my mother's mother came through. My mother's aunt came through. I never met those two women. They were dead and gone before I was even born. I never met them. They're part of my team. Friends, colleagues, people come through in that team, that soul team, and they help. And my dad is part of that soul group. And my mother's aunt, my mother's sister that passed right after my dad, she was my favorite. I had a lot of energy like she had. Very up-spirited. We did all kinds of funny things. And we, we were willing to try anything. And we were into everything. I mean, we'd go rollerblading. We'd go ice skating. We would do things. And my mother wasn't like that. And that's okay. That was fine for my mom. I love her to be because anyway, everybody has to do their own thing. But it was because my dad came through and still talked to me. When he first started coming through, I was like blown away. I never thought he would because he wasn't in the same frame of mind I'm in. So you know, talking with him, like to do the Reiki and stuff on him. It was a different 
it was a different mind frame. He just wasn't in it. So for him to come through, I was so happy and grateful. It helped me get through my day every day because he was part of that group. And he would come through. It still does to this day. That'll be in the book. That leads me to my next question about life and death. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you change anything about the way you live? I wouldn't change a thing. The only thing I would change probably is try to take my mother out a little bit more <laughs> before I left. I'm about as strapped down as you get right now. So I couldn't really change my life much. It's not like I could say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out and do more. I'm going to go do this or I'm going to go do that. I, I have a responsibility to my mom. It wouldn't allow me to do that. I would just continue on my path until it was time for me to punch out. Right. Yeah. You said it would take her out more than me staking yourself out too. So both of you would probably go out and have fun together. Exactly. She likes to go for drives up the coast. So I would take her out more than I'm taking her now. So yeah, that's about what I would change. What kind of life do you believe exists after this life? Oh my goodness. What a great question. Wow. More teaching, more learning and tons of rest before you get back into anything else. Learning on the other side, it's just like a school. It's just like here. This is like a sandbox for human beings. The earth plane is like a sandbox. We're here to play and learn, blah, 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 make mistakes, some big, some small. When we go to the other side, you have a counselor that comes and talks with you and speaks with you and, and asks you, you know, well, what do you think you learned from that? And shows you things, you know, you could have done better here. But you did great over here. This was awesome and blah, 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 blah. It's wonderful on the other side. It's colorful. You can manifest anything with a thought. Did you ever watch Star Trek? Yes. Yeah, that's a great movie. Do you remember movie. the early episodes when you were a little kid? Do you remember those episodes? No, I was not raised here. But That's okay. They had one area where you could go into this one room and you could dial up whatever you wanted. And you could manifest it in that room only, though. Mm, Whatever okay. you wanted. It could have been going in the ocean. It could have been climbing uh, a mountain. It could have been anything you wanted. It could have been to go on another planet. But it, it, you could only do it in that room. It was just whatever they were using for equipment that, that would allow it. It's like that. It's just a thought. You can do anything you want on the other side with a thought. That's interesting the way you speak. It's almost as if you have been there. Been there and done that. Just don't remember all of it. Right, right. It's almost like you remember being there. But what about for those who don't remember? What about if they believe that this is it? Do you think that this is uh, actually not a good thing? This is it. You go on the ground and die and sleep forever. <laughs> and just to make this very clear to you, I don't remember the other side. But I have an extremely strong knowing when they tell me something, it just feels right. It feels very right. It resonates with me. So I don't question it because it just feels right. You know, when you just know something, you just know it. You don't know why. Yeah. And that's, I think, they call it um, faith. That's Maybe, faith. Yeah. yeah. I try not to use those religion trick words. I try not to go there because I don't want to get into religious dogmas. Right. It's right. really messed up a lot of people's minds, and I don't want to do that, so I try to stay away from that. Okay, so you don't call it faith. I don't. Uh, I don't. But you can. You can. 
It's a knowing, something that resonates within yes, you. Yes, it's just a knowing and beyond a shadow of a doubt knowing. Yeah, I like that too, um, which could translate to faith because faith is basically believing something that you have no evidence. You cannot prove anything. We we can only live it, right? You're so confident that brings this peace, inner peace in you. Yeah, inner peace. That's right. If we can connect with it, if we, like, there goes that commitment thing, though, if we're willing to do the work and try to make some changes. I mean, I know people that don't understand things down to the smallest detail. This woman is really heavy, just very quick story. She's really heavy and she's trying to lose weight. She's going to these different places and she's been walking and she's been doing great. And as soon as it starts to get a little bit cold, oh, I didn't walk. I'd walk over to her house and I'll say, why don't you come on out and go for a walk with us? I'm taking mom for a walk. Oh, no, I'm eating a sandwich right now. I don't think so. Put the sandwich down. Come back. It's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to leave the house. It doesn't have legs. It won't walk away. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's a little rough. <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> People aren't willing to make even the simplest changes in their life. Like going for a walk. That would help if she's trying to lose weight, right? It helps the circulation. It helps move the muscles. It helps. Mm-hmm. Got to be willing to make choices. And they're not always that easy. Some of them are difficult to get into. Right. Shifting gears. You got to be willing to give up things. My last question to you. What are three things about life you know for sure as of today? Three things. There's something larger than ourselves. We can have an impact on people far more than we believe. And keeping life simple keeps the mind clear. Don't keep going out and buying stuff. You know, what was his name? Um, Oh, he was a wonderful comedian. And he did a show once about stuff. Colin, George Colin. No, I don't. Okay, you'll have to check him out on YouTube. Okay, write it down. (laughs) He was a wonderful, wonderful, straight out there kind of guy comedian. He was very, very good. And one of his, his um, skits was about stuff. We collect stuff. I went to go, he said, I went to go visit a friend and I packed all my stuff in a, in, a, in a suitcase and I hung out there for the night. And the next day, my friend wanted to go to another place. Some friends invited us to go to a party. So I had to take my stuff and put it in a smaller suitcase and bring my new stuff. It was hysterical. It was about stuff. <laughs> I never forgot that. So it's about that. We don't need to be collecting what we're collecting. It's not about having that million dollar home and 14 garages and 40 bathrooms and 32 bedrooms. And it's not about that. That's stuff. Houses and castles come and go. So true. stays forever. I don't think you have anything against uh, people who have a lot of things. No, no, no. Oh, absolutely not. If I if I had a bazillion dollars, I probably would too. Yeah, it would be helping more people, I'm sure. <laughs> a lot more people. Oh, absolutely. No, I don't have anything against doing that. I'm just showing that I'm a minimalist. For for me right now, I don't need that. Right, right. I, I to agree. be happy, in other words. Some people need that. That's what I'm showing you. They need that to be happy. And the, it's the stuff that makes me happy. It's not the stuff that makes me happy. But if I had it, I would 
applaud it. I would embrace it. Yeah, it's so true because the wants and the desires, they are the ones that are complicated, hard to get, unrealistic, and they are the ones that will get us often and not in trouble. Constantly wanting, that's right. You can, you can never seize that appetite. It's always wanting more. Yes, if you stay within this state of mind, right? Yeah. I love what you said. A simple life, it's connected to a clear mind or clear thinking. Clear thinking, yeah. It does. You keep your life simple, it keeps your mind clear. Yeah, I love that, Cheryl. That's a beautiful on, way. On whatever level. I mean, you could have your own Learjet. It has nothing to do with how much money somebody has. It's, it's how we utilize. Yeah, because some, sometimes that's what happens. People, they do something and that becomes extremely high demand, like successful but they actually didn't think much about it. Uh, they were not really wanting that. But then it happens. Now they have a lot of money and they help people and they, uh, they don't change. You see that they are the same people that they were before without money. The heart and the mind stayed in sync. That's why. Yes, right. Oh, that's right. So that means before money or wealth, they were connected to the heart. Mm. And sometimes it's easy to slip back into that three-dimensional plane of stuff and greed and ego and wow i made it i have all this stuff great i'm gonna stop doing this now and i'm gonna do that this is great flashy no it's it's just keeping the heart and the mind in sync so there's a lot of people that have a lot of money look at look at what um and i'll give you this last uh story what is his name um gates mr gates guys loaded to the gills and look at how much he does he didn't get caught up in that ego web. He just keeps going about his life. It's pretty simple and does his thing and gives a lot of money away, does charities, does a lot of things to help people. I usually don't make comments about people like that because I don't know with I don't know their lives exactly the way they live. But I like what you said that if we connect mind and heart, then it doesn't matter. Yes, exactly. Yes. We have that peace. Right, right, right. Yeah. And if your flow is to stay simple and keep your life simple. You will, even if you have a lot of money, it won't make a difference. So, yeah. Mm, I, I really love that idea. So it has been a meaningful conversation. Fun. You're a lot of fun, too. I was smiling, laughing a lot here. <laughs> 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 you know, that was my dad. <laughs> really great. Um, where can we find more information about you, your work, your coming up book and services? I'll give you my website. It is Energy Work studio.com one s between work and studio and if they click on videos that's my tv my community tv show it's about three years running now and there's lots of demonstrations of my work and what i do how i do it wonderful thank you so much Sharon, for your presence and i'll talk to you soon thank you again for inviting me bye for now for listening to learn more about Cheryl Kamel, please visit her website changeinperceptionbook.com again changeinperceptionbook.com to learn more about this podcast please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast 
I want to thank the Patreon members Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Bickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.